touchdown. Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that time, George. Welcome to Fourth and One. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs, and we got a victory edition of the podcast. So that's the good news. We do not have an AFC West Championship edition, though, because the Miami Dolphins uh, could not get the job done at the Los Angeles Chargers. So the Chiefs' magic number remains one. Uh, if they win any of their four remaining games, or if the Chargers lose any of their remaining four, the Chiefs will win a seventh AFC West title. It's going to happen. Um, I-, I think the much more interesting race now is. Can the Chiefs win out and do the Bills trip themselves up and can Kansas City get the number one seed to buy uh, and home field throughout the playoffs again? Um, you know, I mean, is that what you're focused on most these next couple of weeks or are you still trying to flush uh, the fact that the Chiefs got outscored 28-7 down the stretch um, in the final half and change uh, out in Mile High Stadium? No, I mean, the biggest thing is you're looking at what can they get the number one seed and can the Bills stumble along the way? I mean, the, the Bills got a big favor with the way the Dolphins, um, the way the Dolphins struggled against the 49ers and then the Dolphins having Tyreek uh, aggravate his ankle in that game and then playing on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday. So it's going to be two, two West Coast trips and then a trip up the coast. I think the Dolphins are pretty spent right now. So I think the Bills are going to be getting a, a struggling Dolphins team on, you know, on on <laughs> minimal rest. So I, I think the Bills have it in their favor. The game is, I think, is going to end up deciding the one seed is going to be when the Bills play the Bengals on Monday Night Football in a handful of weeks. Yeah, I mean, the the Bills get a couple Sunday nighters back or Saturday games back to back and then. Um, I think the one that everybody, you know, you're going to need to circle is definitely that uh, trip to Cincinnati. Um, all of a sudden, Chiefs, Chiefs fans are going to have to be Bengals fans. Um, the, the nice thing would be if Miami, which is going to probably be a little bit desperate because all of a sudden they're in the sixth spot, right? Um, the Jets are still lurking. The Chargers are still lurking. Both of them a game back. New England, potentially, depending on what happens on Monday Night Football, could also be lurking a game back. Um, and obviously, the win today, the Chargers would have the, the the you know, just like the Bills over the Chiefs, they'd have the tiebreaker in that situation if it came down to a head-to-head. So I think Miami's going to be a little bit desperate, um, you know, given the situation, because they're now fighting for their playoff lives rather than for a division title. But if they want to keep their division hopes alive, they've got to they've got to take care of business. The, the nice thing would be if Miami could win and if the Bengals could win and the Chiefs could win out, then the Raiders game wouldn't matter and they'd be able to rest uh, players then too. I don't think that ha- that's going to happen. Um, but I, I think the Chiefs, as much as any team, um, would benefit from a bye um, in part because, man, I – I just think the fewer times that defense has to be on the field in the playoffs, the better off the chiefs are going to be. How dispiriting was the the defensive performance today? Or did you see some positive things like the six sacks that, that maybe um, you're not as down on it as you know, most people seem to be. I mean, the people, everybody had different expectations. It was coming into the morning. I thought the chiefs probably win that game. Maybe. I was like, hey, it could be anywhere between 20 to 27. I thought they could score. And I thought the Broncos would be somewhere around maybe 16 to 20. 
range, and that's kind of what I thought coming in the morning. I thought it was going to be a struggle like the Rams game just because of how good that Broncos uh, secondary is and how good their pass rush can be at times. I knew their run defense wasn't as good as the Rams, but, I mean, collectively the Broncos were in top five in a lot of key categories like red zone and, you know, holding opponents points per game down. Because nobody – I think people need to understand this part of it. No other NFL team has scored that much against the Broncos' defense this season. None. The closest was the Raiders at 33. So, I mean, like, this this is normal for them. Right, but, I mean, in in fairness, too, I mean, the defense gave up the 28, but they also scored seven. Well, you know, six, seven, depending on how you want to count it, with Willie Gay's touchdown, which kind of ends up being the difference in the game. I mean, I I think – the Chiefs' offense performed about what you expected them to. I think what was disappointing was how well. You know, I mean, aside from giving up a first few first downs on the first drive, um, the offense and the defense both played pretty well up until like the final three minutes of the half. And you know, when you're up twenty-seven nothing against a bad football team, you don't expect to suddenly have it be twenty-seven twenty-one and you know, it I, I it kind of reminded me of last year's game, right? Where the, the the Chiefs were the better team, they should have outclassed them, and then it took a defensive score in that game too, much more dramatic in that case, but to pull it out just like it did this week. Well, and and the other part that I still personally take in take into play here, and I, I don't think Chiefs fans still to this day kind of accept this part of it is they get every team's best shot every team gets amped up for the chiefs. And like, there was, I I know everybody saw when the chiefs went on 27, nothing like, okay, this one's in the bag. This one's over. But I'm just telling you, like, I mean, the Broncos knew if they could, if they could show some life against the chiefs, that there was hope for, for their season or for some of their jobs next year, Nathaniel Hackett needed a performance like today to happen um, for him to potentially even remotely have a chance of keeping his job when the season ends. Like he needs to say, Hey, here's, here's the elite of the AFC West. And here's one of the elite teams. And here's what we're able to do against them. We're building, see, we're, we're building something here. And like, that's what every, that's what that Broncos team needed. So once that interception happened, that turnover happened and they had that, they had that lightning bolt. Like that's, that's when they woke up from their sleepwalk because in all honesty, that first interception didn't happen. The, the Broncos would have slept walked the entire way. And then that, that would have been the end of that football game more than likely. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the first games, maybe not one of the first games, but this game, it was apparent how young the chiefs were in the secondary. I thought, um, I thought as the game went along, look, the Broncos had protection issues, right? And so uh, a mediocre chiefs pass rush got a lot of pressure um, you know, including the six sacks, um, you know, and so from that standpoint, they, you know, they did what they needed to. A lot of them, I think were still kind of covered sacks, but there were some miscommunication. There were some times that they got confused and left Jerry Judy in particular wide open, um, you know, in, in some red zone situations and, and things like that. Um, I mean, where, where does that, is, is that concern creeping up? Are you seeing enough from this secondary as the season goes along to make you think that a month from now when the chiefs are in must win mode, because it's in the playoffs that this secondary is going to answer the bell, or are you looking at it and saying, man, when they face some of these elite offenses, you know, uh, in the playoffs, the chiefs are in trouble. 
the the Bengals game, I feel like gave the fan base a reality check of where some of these rookies are. And part part of what I'm saying with that is that when they face the caliber of Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd, or for the Bills when they face you know Diggs and when they're going to face Davis and McKenzie and and that grouping where there's multiple receivers who can take over a game like that and athletically can match them or beat them, they're going to have problems. And Steve Spagnuolo is going to have to make a decision: Do I want to play a lot of zone coverage? and just, you know, not give up explosive plays and, you know, take the paper cuts or does he want to manufacture pressure like he tried to do at times, especially early on on those third downs when he kept blitzing over and over again to try to get pressure to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand. So, I mean, that's the tightrope he's going to have to walk because he doesn't necessarily have a front four pass rush that can routinely do it on their own. I mean, Chris Jones and Dana were both getting that left guard the rookie left guard on a couple of those. And that was causing some of the problems. And then, like you said, I mean, they had a couple free blitzers when they were manufacturing off the edge with Sneed and Thornhill to get a couple other ones. But I mean, the, the biggest concern I have with that defense right now is that the Broncos and Bengals and back-to-back weeks have picked on Josh Williams. Like they, they've gone after him and they've gone after Thornhill and whether it's an open space or whatever, those are the two key components of who they're going after. And that chief secondary Trent, Trent McDuffie, I understand there's two plays that people are going to remember when the football hit him in the face mask. And, and then, you know, the other, the other one that they called the PI on him, I totally get all that, but like, they're not picking on him the way that they pick on Josh Williams and try to match him up right now. And honestly, I, I don't blame McDuffie for, I mean, one, he's falling down, um, you know, on the one where the ball hits him in the face mask. And so that's an awkward play. The pass interference, same thing. Both of those were awful, awful throws, just terrible. I mean, so bad that if you're an NFL wide receiver or defender, you would never expect the ball to be where it ended up. Uh, you know, so I mean, I don't blame McDuffie for you know for getting a little bit confused because I don't think the ball was where Russell wanted it to be or where every anyone on the field thought it was going to be or where it needed to be. So um, I think, you know, that I think the NFL does have an issue where um, rewarding uh, quarterbacks for throwing terrible deep balls in that situation and giving them a, you know, 30, 40 yard penalty for Russell Wilson throwing a, an awful wounded duck that was short and that was too far inside. And was just, there was nothing good about the pass at all. Um, to, to reward the offense for a bad play is, is not a great look for the NFL, but, um, you know, you, I don't know. I, Tr- McDuffie's not high on my list of concerns. Right. But, you know, I mean, we, they obviously feel like Jay, uh, Joshua Williams has passed Jalen Watson. Um, and you know, they, they traded Rashad Fenton away, um, you know, and he had had his issues too, but I, I mean, it, you, I just worry that, you know, that young secondary could have their confidence shaken if they don't start having some better performances here down the stretch. Yeah, it's probably going to happen. And they're going to get tested in the playoffs and they're going to struggle some in the playoffs. It's all going to come down to where that Chiefs pass rushes at when playoff time hits. Can that front four get the pressure or can it? And more than anything else, are they going to, are they going to keep, are they going to get Brandon Williams up to a certain point where he can be the one tech? and be able to make a difference. And if they really want to get greedy and aggressive, 
figure out some packages on rundowns where you have Danny Shelton and um, Brandon Williams out there together, and you have Chris Jones at an end spot with either Carl Loftus or Frank Clark rotating in at the other end spot, and you try to stop the run against some future opponents that way. But, I mean, that's that's another wrinkle that they may need to throw in in the week and months ahead. I I am not convinced that um, they remember Danny Shelton is on the practice squad. <laughs> like, no, they, they know he's there. Just, <laughs> I, I don't know if he's ever, unfortunately, I don't know if he's going to get off. I don't know if he's going to get off practice squad unless there's an injury at the one tech spot that they would be forced to bring him up at this point. Right. Uh, there, there's some reason that they don't feel uh, they don't feel like he can help the team as much as the guys that are already on it. Um, I mean, but there's some guys like I mean, I get that Joshua Kando plays a different position, but I, I don't know, man. I mean, like you said, you you've got some flexibility with with Jones to bounce him outside and stuff like that. Josh, it's it's not like Joshua Kando is giving you anything this year either, right? Um, you know, you're, you're not year. playing Malik. Right, I'm like, he. I mean, I'm, I'm, no, 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 I'm saying in general. I got. Not, I got yeah, I mean, well, but I mean, but, That's it. but he's on. He's on the active roster, and he's an yeah, active. No, no, no. I, I'm just saying, he's, he's a glorified special teams performer. Yeah, and, and in a wasted like roster Jack, spot right now, just like so. Jack Cochran. I mean, there's there's five guys on that roster right now that are just on there purely for special teams, and they bring well, and, absolutely and, nothing to the team otherwise. And special teams has clearly, you know, been um, a strength of the team this year. So why wouldn't you dedicate 10% of your roster to it? Um, Now, I... I, That's me throwing some shade right there. Yeah, no, I I caught it and I tried to throw some back. I I just, I mean, I think it's clear at this point that the defense remains the the Achilles heel of, of this team. How concerned are you about the three interceptions, though? Because this is not the first time we've seen Patrick Mahomes get a little loose and a little cavalier with the ball. And he's, he's said it three or four weeks in a row. I got to eliminate that one bad play, you know, here and there today, there were three. I'm going to put it this way. Like, um, I'm just still not that worried about it. Um, I I think, yeah, obviously if you throw three interceptions, you're probably not going to win in the playoffs, but, um, and, and yeah, it stinks. The two interceptions late in the first half, you know, I mean, obviously it helped fuel the comeback and gave the Broncos life in that game. Um, but push comes to shove. Um, I think we've seen enough from Mahomes to know that um, he's able to overcome his mistakes. He's able to learn from his mistakes. And when, when the pressure's really on, he rises to the occasion more often than not. I, I know the AFC championship game last year happened. Um, and things like that. I, I know he's lost three times to the Bengals again, but they were all field goal games and two of them were on the road. Um, I just, I'm not, I feel like Patrick Mahomes has earned, you know, his track record suggests that this isn't going to be an ongoing problem, but I get why people are freaking out because the turnovers have been uh, an issue all season for this team. What, what I'll be interested to watch on the coaches film is what coverages they were running at the time whenever they had those interceptions. Because I know Jewel got two of them, and I think Pat thought he was getting him to look off and getting him to kind of adjust his zone a little bit. And Jewel didn't bite as much as Mahomes thought he was going to, and he made two impressive uh, picks on those. The the Sertan one, 
that I, I want to see in the. I won't know till I see all the route formations combined together, the whole route combinations combined together, just where where Kelsey was out on the play if Juju was out there at that time, because um, I know Sky Moore. The fact that it was thrown behind him, I'm wondering if Sky either Sky was supposed to sit. Or was there a guy? You know, was there a guy behind him, or what? What was happening in there that where him and Mahomes were on the same page? And certain just makes a heck of a play and puts his hand underneath to intercept it. Um, there are it, it was things. it was really reminiscent too of the the interception in the end zone the Rams game where I think Pat was trying to chuck it into the ground to avoid a penalty and just didn't do a just got a little careless with it just didn't do a good enough job and gave the defender a chance to make a play. Now there are there are some things with the Broncos defense that they took from the Bengals the week before. Once I see the coaches film, I'll be able to confirm that that's my suspicion's probably right. Because there was a couple of times when Chiefs were doing the rollouts there out of the bunch formation, and Mahomes ended up taking two sacks on the backside each time. They were rolling out to one move the pocket and take away the blitz, but two, they were trying to get Kelsey into space a little bit or get one of the other or get Smith Schuster or somebody into space. And they were dropping their zone, just like the Bengals do to Kelsey's side to double him in their own way, where they're dropping one of their guys who look like he's blitzing back to take away Kelsey. So once that happened, Mahomes held on to it. And then there was a blitzer coming backside and he saw it and he had to take the sack on the first one. And that, that was, that had been, they'd lifted that from the Bengals. That much was pretty clear on that one. So, I mean, there's, well, uh, part part of the thing is when Patrick, when he did the no look underhand to McKinnon to try to spark him and to and to do that, there there have been times in previous games when Pat does that. He gets a gets a little bit braver when he knows he's going against an opponent that it's not going to burn them against. So for him to be able to have a couple of mistakes, I know he doesn't like to have mistakes, but I, I'm just saying he he played a little bit freer and looser than I think you would have if he's playing the Bengals or another you know, higher, higher caliber opponent. Right. And that, that's what I mean. I think, I, I think he, his decision-making would change if that was the bills or, or if that was a playoff game, you right. know, I mean, um, and it, it's weird. I mean, like when, obviously when the chiefs go three and out and, and Tommy, Tommy Townsend had an underrated game, um, you know, flipped the field a couple times with his punts and, you know, when, when they kick the ball back to the Broncos and it's 27, 21, you know, at that point, you're just hoping the defense doesn't make a catastrophic mistake and, and, and fall behind there, but they didn't. I mean, the, Andy praised the defense a lot in the, in the post game, which was odd to me. Cause I did not think the defense played particularly well, especially considering how bad the Broncos had been this season. And, 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 you know, the fact Cortland Sutton's out, you know, and they, they were missing some of their weapons. Um, but, I do think that like, I mean, Patrick Mahomes still threw for 352 yards. He still completed, you know, 66, 67% of his passes. He still had a vintage Mahomes moment with that touchdown. Um, you know, he had not, he completed nine passes to to Juju Smith Schuster, which I think is, is a great sign moving forward. I, I think he's clearly becoming a guy that he, uh, that is the outlet that he needs when teams are taking away Travis Kelsey uh, on plays or in situations. Um, and he's becoming that reliable target. Marquez Valdez Scantling continues to be um, disappear at times, but he seems to in, in, in close games late, he seems to make a play when, when he needs it. Pat at least looks to him every once in a while. I, I just, 
I think there's enough there to still believe that this team can be the number one seed and can make a playoff run. Um, and I just, but I don't, I don't know that we're ever going to see the consistency, you know, that you saw from the 2019 team that, that won the Super Bowl or the 2020 team before the offensive line got decimated. Yeah, I just I think a big part of it is their lack of speed at receiver. With McCole Hardman being on IR until this week when he hopefully comes back, and Kadarius Tony, who's hopefully going to be back from the hamstring issue, like it, it'll make a world of difference for that offense. Because there was times today, like they wouldn't have run the fullback dive if they have McCole Hardman. They would have run a little wide receiver screen out there. They would have run a jet sweep, and they would have converted. Or if they were in the red zone, they would have ran some jet sweeps or some or some of that stuff with Tony or, or Hardman. So they've missed a part of that of their offense. And there's been some times, if if like last week when the Bengals ran that cover zero, Mahomes just chucked it up to Valdez Scantling. He would have thrown that to McColl. McColl would have been in that spot, and that would have gone to McColl or, or Kadarius Tony. So, I mean, having that back is gonna. I think that'll change the dynamic of the offense. But in the in the grander scheme of it, what's honestly happening is when teams take away Mah- when teams take away Kelsey, Mahomes only trusts Juju Smith Schuster or maybe McKinnon in the flats on a checkdown to be able to help him convert. He didn't feel comfortable with Sky. He doesn't necessarily feel comfortable with. Uh, but that is Scantling, and and so I think that 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 plays a role in it. If Tyreek was still on the Chiefs and out there doing that, like the Bengals game goes differently, the Bills game earlier this year goes differently, the Colts game goes differently, and the Chiefs would have put the they would have put the hammer down there of twenty seven to nothing, and and like it just it would have been different each and every time. So I mean, all those combining factors. I mean, in the grand scheme of it, long term the chiefs are going to need more speed of receiver to balance with the possession of what they're of what Juju Smith Schuster could bring. Cause Juju Smith Schuster, he's, he's there to take away part of the reps that Kelsey has. Cause if you, if you notice Kelsey's stamina, isn't the same as what it used to be. He wears out a little bit quicker now than he used to, but well, given he's what he's done in his career, like that's to be expected, but uh, you know, you just need to, you got to have him on somewhat of a pitch count. And that's where Juju Smith Schuster comes in to kind of help in that regard. Yeah. I mean, the man has more yards uh, than, you know, any tight end in NFL history, his first 140 games. It's crazy. The stats he's putting up and I get to a degree that it, the positions change, you know, but uh, my man, you know, Travis is going to be 34 soon. Um, you know, um, so it, it's no shock that he's slowing down, but um, and he, that, he, yeah, that's the he problem. They just can't keep running the offense through him long term. That's not right. a knock on him. He needs help. Yeah, no, and 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 you want him to have help because you that will also mean that he can stay at an elite level, right? For another three, four, uh, five might be a stretch. He'll be thirty-eight by then and stuff like that. But you want to, if you want to extend his career you have got to take some of the load off of him. He's had seven consecutive 1,000-yard seasons. Nobody else in – no other tight end in NFL history has ever had more than three in a row or more than four in their career. Um, you know, um, he needs 15 yards to pass Shannon Sharp for the fourth most touchdown – or fourth most yards by a tight end ever in history. He's already up there with Tony Gonzalez, Antonio Gates, uh, and Jason Witten among, among the elites. Um, but yeah, I mean, they need more product. And I do think that McColl and, and Kadarius, we've talked about this the last couple of weeks. I think the offense changes when they get back in there, especially with the dynamic that Isaiah Pacheco brings, um, you know, because 
look, you know, like you said, it's still the straight line speed, things like that. I mean, the ability to, you know, I mean, he, he is what he is in terms of a running back, but it was fun to watch him just, just truck Kareem Jackson and help put that game away on the last drive, man. We haven't seen that since Kareem Hunt was in the backfield for the Chiefs. Well, and I, I would dare to say that that physical of a run in that way at that speed, I haven't seen that since Larry Johnson on his 400 carry season. And before that, like he, he looked a lot like Larry Johnson, just running straight ahead and just did not care what was in his way. And, and, and like I've said on here before, I, I think when I watch Pacheco run, he just reminds me so much of Marion Barber back in the day. Like he does just, yeah. he does his running style, man. I was going to say that the guy that came to mind was, uh, was also Barry word. I, <laughs> you know, but I'm dating myself a little bit there. That's going way back. Cause he's not as big as like Christian Okoye, but he reminded me of those early nineties Schottenheimer backs who were just battering Rams between the tackles. Yeah. It's just for him size wise. I don't know. I don't know if he'll be able to do that four or five years down the road. Like, I mean, it's great that he's running angry right now, and I I appreciate it, and I love seeing it. But, I mean, long-term, I mean, we'll get into it during the offseason. But there's – that's not going to be sustainable for him, you know, three, four years down the road. There's there's a reason the shelf life for NFL running backs is about three years. (laughs) You're seeing it. it, And they don't run the way he does, so. Right, and you're seeing it right there with him. Um, But, look, I I mean – were there a lot of things to clean up? Yes. You know, but they went on the road against a divisional opponent and, and won a football game and we're up 27, nothing in the football game. Again, it's, it's hard. We're nitpicking at this point. I mean, they, they played an atrocious game in, in pretty much all phases and lost by three at the Colts in week three, um, in week six, they played arguably, you know, one, clearly one of the other best teams in the league only gave up 24 to the bills and lost by four. Then they went on the road in December and lost by three uh, at the Bengals. I mean, it's not a stretch to think that this team, you know, to, to believe that this team is capable of going on a run. Um, And obviously we want to see perfection every week, you know? And I mean, I think that, like I said, we nitpick right now, but they're going to beat the Texans. I I imagine they're they're, you know, I still think showing us the Cowboys, the, they did. Really strong they show. did, but I've made my feelings about the Cowboys known in weeks past. Um, you know, and, and and look, I don't think that they can go down and just automatically win it, but I think the Chiefs will go down there and outclass them. Um, I, I still, for me, the the shortcoming for the Cowboys is always going to be Mike McCarthy as their head coach. I will take Andy Reid going to Houston with a chance to clinch an AFC West championship every time. I don't think there's any way that Andy Reid lets them not be prepared when they know if they go down. By 3.30 tomorrow, they will – by 3.30 next Sunday, they can be the AFC West champions for the seventh straight year, and they can take one step closer to potentially having the number one seed, depending on what Buffalo does these last four games. There's no way that I see Andy Reid going down and getting outclassed in Houston. I just don't see it. No, I don't think it's going to happen, but I didn't think the Broncos offense scored as many points as they did today, but there they were. Oh, I mean, I – I didn't think they'd score 28, but I thought they'd, I was pretty sure they'd score more than their season average of 14 or whatever it was. So, you know, that's just cause I've watched this defense too much. Um, I don't have a lot of faith in it. Um, mm-hmm. but, um, when you got Patrick Mahomes, you can, you, you can keep your faith in him. How's that? 
Yeah, as long as they keep him upright and don't let him get hit a ton. <laughs> yeah, well, and look, I, I, I also, last point I want to make is I think this game is different if Orlando Brown doesn't have a false start when they got into the red zone or got near the red zone and they finish that first drive in the end zone and and then finish the second drive in the end zone, right? If they're up, if they're up 35, nothing instead of 27, nothing, or if they just get up 14, nothing. And to me, that still remains the key for the chiefs and this defense. When the, when the chiefs can put the hammer down early, like they did it, you know um, I mean, like you think about San Francisco when they were able to get a big lead there in, in the, you know, early in the game and they were able to put the hammer down on them. They didn't do it this game because of the turnovers, but that's when the Chiefs are at their best, and that's the team that I think I you want to see more of this last month of the season as you go into the playoffs, um, you know, if you're thinking that this team can finish the year in Arizona. Yeah, I mean, you, you, they've got – what they've got – let's see, let me count it up here real quick. I mean, they got yeah, they got four more games to figure it out and get themselves in a position to where they can – you know they that they're they're up to a sustainable level whenever they potentially get into the playoffs because looking at the conference right now the Chiefs would play the the Chiefs would play the Chargers yeah, right now Chargers right now it'd be Chiefs Chargers Ravens Dolphins Titans Bengals yeah I I think that's gonna shift uh, over the next four weeks you know. Uh, um, and you know, potentially significantly. Um, but I think the chiefs and bills are going to be one is some combination of the first one and two seeds. I yeah, more that, that's, that's the way that's going to end. And the, although, I mean, the Bengals, they're lurking there. If they can beat the bills, they can sneak into that two spot. And if the chiefs stumbled, I mean, the, the, the Bengals aren't out of it either, you know, if they can, you know, so it'll be interesting. Um, but I think those are the, the three best teams, um, and I think it's going to be a dogfight once once we get to the playoffs in the AFC because I, I only one team can go to the Super Bowl, but there's three or four teams that that I think are capable of it. So yeah, as long as the Ravens hold on here in the next couple of weeks against the Browns, Falcons, and Steelers, I I'm beginning to think that that Bengals Ravens game is going <clears> to <throat> more than likely be the Sunday night football game. Yeah, because I think it, I think there's a chance they'll decide the AFC North and um, yeah, I'm but, playoff seeding for the AFC. Again, yeah, the Bengals have to are going to have to take care of business. And that would include beating the Bills probably to be in that position. So, um, you know, but like last year, uh, it ten, it worked out pretty well for the Chiefs down the stretch. Um, and we'll, we'll see if it does again this year. Yeah, that's all I got. All right. Same here. Take care, kids. You guys have a good week. <laughs>